0: Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis.
1: Listen to you move your mouth, I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you from the town that I
2: love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff.
0: to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well,
2: good morning. It's a Friday morning. And, of course, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, your host. And we've got some things. This I've got some brain cramps. Art by famous people. I mean, if you, you know, we do that. We're not famous people, but every (laughs) now and then, you know, we get in here and you're on the mic, it's live, and you say stuff, you go, What did I say that for? So I've collected a few. Uh You will not believe some of these things that, that some of our Famous people say, (laughs) this is from Mariah Carey now, okay? Put it in perspective, Mariah Carey. Whenever I watch TV and see those poor starving kids all over the world, I can't help but cry. I mean, I'd love to be skinny like that, but not with all those flies and death and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, here that's she horrible. is. And it's horrible. I mean, it just tells you no clue, no touch. It. Uh, oh, by the way, here's one from our former Vice President, Al Gore. He says, it isn't pollution that's harming the environment. It's the impurities in our air and water that's doing it. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Here's the former mayor of Washington, D.C. Now, this put this in perspective, Okay. I mean, think about what he's trying to say. And, and, you know, it's kind of this um, thought process. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's he's got all this going on in his mind. At the same time, he says, you know, outside of the killings, Washington has one of the lowest crime rates in America. Ah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Sleep. Yeah, (laughs) terrible, terrible tradition. Here you go. Here's one from former president, Bill Clinton. If we don't succeed, we run the risk of failure. You know, I I get it. I get it. I get it. He's thinking through this process. And uh, here's one from an ROTC ROTC colonel. He says, we don't necessarily discriminate. We simply exclude certain types of people. (laughs) I mean, mean, again, now, hey, I identify with that. You know, the microphone's live, and sometimes you say that. Here's one from a former vice president candidate, okay? He says, or actually vice president, he was a vice president, I love California. I practically grew up in Phoenix. That's Dan Quayle. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, Dan Quayle had a little bit of that reputation of putting some things out there. And says, "Here's one from the National." Here she is; she's interviewing for the becoming the spokesperson for the federal anti-smoking campaign. National anti. Okay, you get it. Him. Okay. Smoking kills. If you're killed, you've lost a very important part of your life. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> last, <laughs> last but not least, this is from the government, and it's the one I think is the best of the bunch. Your food stamps will be stopped effective March, okay? Because we've received notice that you've passed away. <laughs> Okay. I got that. May God bless you, they say. You may reapply if there's a change in your circumstance. <laughs> I think it's uh, typical from what people do. Hey, it's a uh, good morning again. I'm Jim Schumacher. You're listening to Talk Money. I have a program that you do not want to miss. Here's the deal. If you're a caregiver, this is National Caregiver Month. You may be the person who's taking care of your parents. or you are getting ready to do that? You want to know what to do, how to do it, all the little intricacies that going for you to think through, Do I am I doing the what I need to do for my parents well? My guest today, Mac Bailey, the Bailey Law Firm, specializing in estate planning, assisting the protection for charitable giving, for all the things, asset protection, charitable giving, business succession, elder law, all those things is his, but the key today is National Caregivers Month. We're talking about elder law and what we have to do if you're a caregiver, should you be prepared? How do you protect assets? How do you take care of mom and dad? That's what we're going to talk about when we come back. Mac Bailey with the Mac Bailey Law Firm. We'll be back in just a minute.
3: You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return right after this.
4: Good morning. Right now we have a new wreck on southbound Interstate 55 on the Old Bridge. We're also working northbound 240 at 40 out east. That center lane is blocked and Covington Pike at Elmore. Regional One Health is proud to announce a new campus in East Memphis to meet your primary and specialty care needs. It's not just our job to create new convenient services that help you live a healthier life. It's what they love to do. Learn more at regionalonehealth.org slash east. Your life, their passion, Regional One Health. I'm Heather York with Traffic on AM 990.
0: Under mostly sunny skies, temperatures will climb into the lower 60s this afternoon. Look for light winds out of the east. Partly cloudy, low 40s overnight. Tomorrow, it's cold front day with clouds, some isolated showers early, and north winds cooling us way down for the rest of the weekend. What's better than the classic croissant sandwich for breakfast at Burger King? Two of them for the unbelievable price of $4. That's right, two mouthwatering croissant sandwiches just $4 for a limited time and only at Burger King. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers on AM 990. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Keisha Parish at 901-757-5757 or email at K Parish at Shoemakerfinancial.com.
3: Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, as you heard earlier before the program, just uh, as I was talking about how you can get some things from the government that you just don't understand and you wonder what that's saying, especially if you've passed away and they've notified you that you're not going to get your food stamps, anymore. But then they say, if that circumstance changes, let us know. Well, that's why I have Mac Bailey with me. Because if you're dealing with elder caregiver, as a caregiver, and you've got parents, and you're in that sandwich generation where you got kids at home, and you're also realizing that you've got your parents. And I was in that situation with my mom. I know a lot of people ask me, say, well, you know, you talked about your mom all the time. Where was your dad? Well, Unfortunately, my dad passed away when he was 54, and uh, he died of a heart attack, so it was not a caregiver thing with my dad, but with my mom, who lived to be 91, uh, it became that of a caregiver mentality, and that was my sister and I, you know, you just share duties. Well, I want you to find out today what you have to do. If you catch yourself in a situation where you thought, man, I didn't do this or I should have done this, well, our guest today, Mac Bailey with the Bailey Law Firm, concentrates his practice in the areas of estate taxation and planning, estate protection planning, charitable gift planning, business succession, and elder law. In fact, I guess, Mac, uh, welcome to the program, sir. You've been a guest before. You always do a great job for you. So, sir, welcome to the program.
1: Great to be here. Thank you, Jim. You
2: know, Mac, I guess one of the biggest questions of people, when we introduce the thought of elder law, let's make sure that everybody listening knows what we're talking about. Elder law is not an old lawyer. That is correct. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people, I, don't, I know they don't think that, but let's talk about, it. let's define, what is elder law?
1: Well, elder law is an area of the law that deals with issues facing the aging population. Um, Medicare, Medicaid, long-term care costs, powers of attorney, those issues that only affect people over age 65.
2: So when you, those issues, is that a uni, I mean, does a, when you say an elder law and you call yourself, you work as a, as a, in that, that particular practice and that mindset, that's, that's a concentration for you. Um, so when I say an elder law attorney, you're focused on that. Are there special things that you have to deal with? I mean, is that because it's a specialty? I mean, you concentrate in that area?
1: That's correct. I just, uh, matter of fact, for the past two years, graduated and I got my LLM in elder law. So it is a very specific area of the law. Um, it really combines a lot of different legal aspects, practice areas such as probate, estate planning. Uh, Medicare planning, Medicaid planning, tax planning—so it really deals with a lot of different practice areas under one umbrella.
2: One of the things that I think so many people think about, in, in as a caregiver, they think, okay, I am—you know—some point in time, my parents are going to end up mm-hmm. either I'm having to take care of them, or I've got to put them in a nursing home, long-term care, something like that. So, help us go through some of the ways that a person who's having to make that decision can pay for long-term care?
1: Okay. Uh, there's basically five ways to pay for long-term care. One is private pay, which means as long as you have money in the bank, you can pay for the care. The second is long-term care insurance. You can purchase insurance to insure against that risk like a lot of other types of insurance products. You can also look to Medicare, but Medicare is very limited. It only covers about 100 days. Uh, fourth way is through Medicaid, and the fifth is through VA improved pensions, sometimes referred to as aid and attendance. But Medicaid is not something everybody's eligible
2: to get. I mean, that's a that's a very unique eligibility thing. That's so let's correct. go through for our listeners who are thinking about okay, I, I, I've heard that I could get Medicaid, but you just that's not automatic. So help help us with that's the correct
1: Medicaid is not an automatic benefit. It is a means tested or needs based government program. So you have to qualify financially for Medicaid both income and resources. So the state government looks at your income and your assets or resources to determine whether or not you are eligible for Medicaid.
2: So if you start planning, okay, and you've got a a sizable estate, let's say you're talking about a million-plus plus medicaid 's probably not going to be a part of that plan is that would you think that or is that true or no
1: I would say it 's probably not. However, I do have clients that are concerned about the cost of long term care I mean uh, a monthly basis cost could be as much as nine or ten thousand dollars per month, per month yeah. and a million dollars at one hundred and fifty thousand a year won 't last very long if you live a long period of time. So there are clients that are concerned with those with that kind of wealth, but in general. Uh, it's people in the three to four hundred thousand dollars or less range that really Medicaid can, planning can benefit in the long run. All
2: right, let's zero in on that person. Uh, and if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Mac Bailey, and we are talking about elder law. This is National Caregivers Month. And if you're not a caregiver, you probably know someone that is a caregiver. And if you're not a caregiver today, you might want to plan because you could be a caregiver in the future. We're talking about elder law, and we're talking about the parents that we're all going to want to take care of to the best of our ability. The parent, my mom, I mean, they didn't have, I mean, my dad and and mom, my dad was an accountant, CPA, and they, you know, he'd done quite well, but he had paid for two college educations. He paid for one. My sister got paid. It was somehow we didn't negotiate very well as the oldest son, if you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But they just, you know, there wasn't a lot of money there. And by the time we got to that stage in her life, we had lived in a in a assisted living home and paid for that. And, and then it got to the point where we had to do some very serious planning. Talk us through the process. Three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars in the estate. How does that? How, do you, how would you encourage people to approach parents?
1: Well, I think, first of all, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, and we call that beauty shop and barbershop law, to where someone finds out information and they think it's true and it's accurate. I like that terminology, beauty shop and barbershop <laughs> law.
2: That's good. I got to remember that.
1: <laughs> so people will think that they have to spend down all of their resources to qualify for Medicaid or for the VA-improved pension, and that's not true. There are certain resources off the top that are exempt that you do not have to spend down. And the largest one is the residence. And it's over $500,000 in value for a primary residence that's both exempt from a VA standpoint as well as for a Medicaid standpoint.
2: So the resident they can stay there no problems. Uh, let's take the let's take a mom and dad. And dad's going to the nursing home, mom's staying, so she gets to stay in the residence. There's no issues there at all.
1: That is correct. So if the if the husband goes to the long-term care facility, we call him the institutionalized spouse or the nursing home spouse, and the wife stays at home she 's the community spouse. she can reside in the residence for the rest of her lifetime and it's not does not impact the husband 's eligibility for medicaid but
2: if if mom 's got money coming in and what happens there i mean they literally here 's what i see and here 's where I think this is where I think it 's so important and if you 're listening, you know what i 'm talking about you got mom and dad dad 's got to go to the nursing home mom 's still at home, but she lives on the income that 's basically what they were both living on, and now she 's got to turn around and pay. The nursing home for Dad. Can she receive an income, and
1: can he become eligible for Medicare? It's a great question. She gets to keep all of her income, so she's getting Social Security or what is
2: her income? That's what I want. Okay, good. Social Security,
1: Social Security, any type of pension. So it's a periodic payment. It's not income like dividends or interest from assets.
2: Okay, let's make sure we get that. There's three hundred thousand dollars in the bank, and she's getting income from that. She's pulling that down. Say that. $20,000 twenty thousand dollars a year plus her social security. The so that twenty thousand a year is what? Not, not
1: that is not income. That's okay. a resource. All right. So she gets to keep Social Security, any kind of pension or periodic payment. Uh, the husband's all the husband's income goes to pay to the long term care facility, then Medicaid picks up the difference. If mom doesn't have enough, resources enough income for her monthly expenses she can actually petition medicaid to get some of the husband's income
2: so his social security could for she example. could she petition who does that do you do that for them i mean is that what I'm, i mean here we are we talking about the government again the, you know all the things that you and you know it's not easy i had somebody call me the other day said i can't get into the social security website I'm about to turn 65, and they're frustrated you could hear it in their voice.
1: It's like the adage, here, I'm the government, I'm here to help you. It's good to have an advocate when you're dealing with any government agency that understands the rules and the regulations because they're very specific um, and, uh, and they can get twisted sometimes when they're being explained to someone by someone who doesn't have a good understanding of why these rules are in place.
2: Okay, now let me make sure that we get this down. Any income coming to MOM? is now going to be her income, and she can continue to get that?
1: Correct. Tell us who it, what it is again. Social Security? Social Security, pension, or periodic payments. Would that be a
2: 401k? Could they? Is that a pension? Would you qualify this, that as a?
1: No, a pension I'm talking about is more a defined benefit defined plan benefit. as opposed to a contribution plan.
2: So a 401k would not be eligible for that?
1: It would not, no, sir.
2: Well, that's a big mistake, you know. I wonder if the government had a
1: plan for that 19...
2: 78 or 90 when they started the 401k plans i bet they did
1: probably did now there is one uh, caveat if the at-home spouse does have a 401k or ira that's also exempt just like the house because it's their money that's their money in that regard but
2: not his money
1: his IRA or a 401k is not exempt. It has to be spent so, okay. down.
2: Okay, all right. So now we're going to get – we got her money. She has a 401k, and, and her Social Security is her money. Everything else is going – his Social Security, and she can
1: petition. And I want to make sure – petitioning who? She petitions the state Medicaid agency, whether okay. it's Tennessee or Mississippi, but she petitions them in request – that some of the husband's income gets allocated to her in order to meet her monthly expenses.
2: You know, Mac, I get I get the question of um, integrity here, where people say, "Well, I, you know, I mean, should I tell them or what?" And the bottom line is, what? Do you always tell them anything, and they won't? Because if you don't tell them and they find out, you got a problem.
1: Correct. We usually say there's no such thing as secret money in the law <laughs> or in Medicaid because <laughs> the the whole world is so connected now right. that, uh, um, that 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 the most Medicaid agencies have a sharing relationship with the IRS. Right. So if it's being reported to the IRS, the Medicaid agency knows about it.
2: And, and I guess I heard somebody say, well, there's so many, I'm just a little guy. Well, I said, yeah, but you become a big guy real quick.
1: Absolutely. The last thing you want to do is put something uh, that's uh, fraudulent on your application and end up going to jail instead of going to the nursing, <laughs> the nursing,
2: home. nursing home. That's a great point. Uh, veterans benefits. This is something that I think people forget. You got a lot of people our age that are the veterans—Vietnam, Korea, World War II—all these guys—and and now coming through with what's going on as far as our, our last 15-year war, as all of the you know Asian war and, and part of the you know Middle East. Um, talk about that, veterans' benefits, because that's a critical part for people to know.
1: Right. I think most people think of veterans' benefits as compensation, which means it's a service connected disability. But there's another form of veterans' benefits called pension, which is designed to help veterans as well as widows and widowers of veterans to pay for their long term care. That's called an improved pension or aid in attendance does that easy to qualify for? Is that a
2: lot of paperwork? You know, I mean, I know you guide people through that. Can someone, uh, this is kind of a loaded question, I guess. Can someone, I mean, I know I I would tell them, no, don't try to do it by themselves. But do you find people try to do this by themselves?
1: I do. Most of those people come to us and get help. Eventually
2: get help. Yeah, I would say to the listener, I mean, you guys just need to keep this in mind. This is complicated stuff, and the uh, reason why I have Mac on, it, on the air is because he knows what to do, and so don't just think, okay, it's just another form. It
1: is not just another form. You kind of have to know what you're doing. Absolutely. The government has lots of forms for everything, and no different when you apply for the VA. It's a stack of paperwork. And if you complete the paperwork incorrectly, they simply send it, send back, it back to you. Send it back, and you start all over again. Yes, sir.
2: Now, Mac, I, I, I got a question for you because I think so many times, I mean, I respect you as a lawyer. I respect you definitely in, in the field and of concentration with elder law, and that's why you're on the program. There is a lot of people in and around the city, and, and to our listening audience, is that um, call themselves the specialist in elder law and guarantee that you're eligible, you will qualify for veterans' benefit. I, I struggle with that. I don't particularly like that because I think they put a little fear, in the into the elder person. I mean, that we. I don't like that ever when somebody when I sense that the whole idea behind this, is I want to create a little fear and then you got to do it with me. How do you deal with that? Because I know that's not your tactic and I know that's not how you practice law. So, talk to me about what would you say to the person who's been approached by this person and uh, they did a seminar and all of a sudden the expert says, this is what you got to do. And I know we don't want to throw anybody under the bus. That's not what I'm trying to do. I just want to tell our people, listen, pay attention, make sure that it's something that you want to do not something you're being fi- made fear to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, in the, me- in the world of medicine, I talk about my clients need to be their own patient advocate. Yep. No different in the law. You need to be your own legal advocate. And so you need to ask the right questions. What are your qualifications to assist me in this particular area? How many of these applications have you filed? What is your success rate in filing the applications? Uh, how many denials have you gotten? And then also the important question is, what are you charging me to do this? Um, because in general, there's nothing free in this world. Uh, Now, from a VA standpoint, technically no one is supposed to charge you for actually completing the VA application. That is a federal law. So even in our office, we only prepare applications for existing clients, but we do not charge our existing clients for completing the VA application. So if someone tells you we only charge $300 for for filling out the VA application, uh, they're breaking federal law. They're not supposed to charge you anything for that.
2: Now, at this point, when you get to that decision-making process, you've got to make sure you to qualify for this veteran. How do you qualify for the veteran?
1: Uh, once again, the VA uh, is a means-tested benefit, sort of like Medicaid. They look at your income and they look at your assets. It's a little bit different in that VA does not have a look-back period. We can talk a little more about that in a minute. But the VA, in general, there's an exempt resource. That's the house. Um, and as long as your expenses for care exceed your income and you don't have more between fifty and $80,000 uh, based on your age, it's a sliding scale, uh, you should be eligible for the VA benefit. Uh, now, there's also some requirements for service. So you have to serve in wartime during a certain period of time, and there's specific dates for that service. And you also have to have been honorably discharged or a discharge other than dishonorable and so there are some requirements for the veteran in order uh, that's non-financial in order for the veteran to uh, be eligible for the VA And benefit. you're
2: aware of all that, and you just ask the questions and guide them through that, and, and you guys do a lot of that. But I like the Absolutely. fact that let's, let's make sure everybody listens. There is no charge if you're going to do the application. There's no charge. You shouldn't be charged to do the application. That is correct. Yeah, there there there's you know, let's be serious though, there's some, some changes in the assets most of the time. When we come back in a few minutes, I want to talk a little bit about living trust, powers of attorney. How do you handle those people, you know, that are incapacitated? Uh because I think that's an issue for a lot of people that, you know, what did I do? And it it, it you get to begin to say, okay, I'm interested, but I don't know where to go, and so you procrastinate, you keep thinking about it. And you, you it's just a matter you know what I 'm talking about they just end up don't doing it and it's too late
1: absolutely procrastination so that's,
2: that's kind of what we 're talking about so when we come back Mac Bailey the Bailey law firm who concentrates in the areas of estate planning estate taxation asset protection charitable gift planning business succession planning I mean he's a full-time lawyer that's kind of big time you know and of course I got Jamie Cochrane coming back too we 're going to talk about long-term care so the biggest question financial elder
3: abuse. Stay with us. We'll be back. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Talk Money will return after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker.
2: And welcome back. My guest today, Mac Bailey, from the law firm. He specialized in Mac Bailey Law Firm. The Bailey Law Firm specializing in estate planning, asset protection. Charitable Giving, Business Succession, Elder Law. That's our topic today because this is National Caregivers Month. And I know so many of our listeners, you you think about it, you're not either a caregiver now maybe, but you know somebody that is, but you also know that you may be a caregiver in the future. So hey, to those that are caregivers, my wife was a caregiver. It's eight years ago yesterday I was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, at this point I'm doing well, not a problem, and uh, cancer, God's blessed, But at that period of time, she was a caregiver and all those things. And you think about it. Boy, you get you get something like that and uh, you make yourself look at it and think about it. And all of a sudden, all those perspectives of how you take care of yourself or maybe the the, my wife was thinking about how she's going to take care of me. You make decisions and you go through some of these things that we're talking about today. Also joining us is Jamie Conkren. He is one of our advisors specializing a lot in uh, talking a lot about long term care. So, Jamie, also welcome to the program, sir.
5: All right. Thanks for having
2: me. Uh, Let me talk to you guys again. I mean, Mac, you were literally you you were giving us great insight into the Medicare eligibility, veterans benefit eligibility. The fact that you don't have to pay somebody (coughs) doing that program, doesn't have to pay for it. They they get somebody to help them do it. But there are a lot of things that they've got to think about about their assets, how to, how to distribute the assets, and how to manage the assets. And that's all a part of both the Medicare eligibility and the veterans' benefit. It's just not a slam dunk for a lot of people. They need some counsel.
1: Correct, they do. I think they need assistance.
2: They need assistance, and that's what we're trying to talk about. So let's talk about the person that's incapacitated. And, and, and you know, I guess it's the, the person that... When I say incapacitated, Alzheimer's, I'm thinking of Alzheimer's. We had somebody in the office the other day. Man, you could carry on a conversation with this guy as comfortable as anybody else. And then, you know, all of a sudden you'd kind of catch that maybe it wasn't quite connecting and found out later that, uh, you know, uh, he did have Alzheimer's. And so that's that incapacitated person. So talk about some of the planning things that you have to do with a person like that.
1: Well, first, we like preventative planning in our office. So the very beginning, we recommend everyone have a financial and health care power of attorney to deal with the future event of incapacity if and when it does occur. Um, However, if someone doesn't have a power of attorney, they come to our office, then maybe the only other option is to go to court for a conservatorship, sometimes called an adult guardianship. Do we have to ask the court. For authority to deal with someone's finances and healthcare,
2: and you don't really want to get that far. I mean, you really do preventive. I like the word preventive law because that's really what you're talking about. Try to get some of this done before this all happens.
1: Yeah, the, the financial and emotional cost of a power of attorney two or three hundred dollars getting it done in an hour versus a six month long tens of thousands of dollars worth of cost for a conservatorship they really don't compare. That's and a good
2: point. That's really good. I, I guess let me ask you this question: So many people think that uh, a marriage certificate a marriage license gives you all the power you need help us with
1: that it certainly does we explain on a regular basis that a marriage license or a birth certificate is not a power of attorney uh, because uh, we'll have spouses come in and they'll say well he's my husband or, he's right. my, uh, she's my wife i should be able to make all decisions for that person But many times you'll have a second marriage, you'll have children from a previous relationship, and there may be um, a dispute as to who is supposed to be making the decisions for dad or mom. You don't even have
2: to have a second marriage. You can have two kids, and all it takes is one of those kids saying, hey, that's not what dad would want us to do or mom would want us to do, and you've got to— you got a problem.
1: Absolutely. I could say war war story number 139 because I've (laughs) got plenty of them. Uh, But that happens on a regular basis. So it's much better to plan in advance, go ahead and put in place who you want to make decisions for you if and when you can't make them yourself.
2: All right, let's make sure you're listening, those of you listening, because this is important. If you have a marriage license, it (laughs) does not guarantee that you're going to have the power of attorney. MAC is telling you that you just don't take the don't take the risk. It can be too devastating and too uh you said it while well ago, the emotional I mean all of those emotions that get caught up in that particular situation. You want it to be smooth and instead it's all complicated.
1: Absolutely. You're already dealing with a serious illness. You're dealing with incapacity that's changed their world. So why have to go through the legal system in order to get control over your husband or wife's finances and health care? Why not do it in advance?
2: All right. If you're listening, here's the telephone number for you. 901-843-2760. 901-843-2760. That's Mac Bailey. Just give him a call, and if you've got questions, ask him questions and and just spend the time with it. Don't take any of this for chance. A power of attorney is simple, easy to do, almost a no-brainer. But it sure can save a lot of heartache when you think, "Uh uh-oh, we made a mistake. Absolutely. Let's talk about financial elder abuse. I mean, uh, I I know that can happen. I've seen it happen. And it's terrible. You just don't think about it.
1: Uh, we, we see more financial elder abuse than physical elder right. abuse. And that's where basically someone is taking advantage of uh, an individual that no longer has the capacity to make good financial decisions. Uh, you know, we've seen the situation where people cut the yard and charge them $500 for a zero lot line home. And they write the check. Absolutely. We've seen people come in and move into someone's home and take over their life and start writing checks out of their checkbook for new cars or new fur coats or new diamond rings. So it happens and unfortunately. And if it does happen, there are um, recourses if people find out about it they can do. That's theft. Absolutely.
2: And people don't realize you know what I've seen, and I guess it, you know, Mac, I'm sure you could tell us as you said, war story after war story, is the reality that sometimes good intentions are good intentions. And then the caregiver realizes, well, I'm really not getting paid for this. I you know, I'm working I am up at two o'clock in the morning, and they rationalize a check for five hundred dollars to cut the grass, or they rationalize I could go buy my a, a new car i mean i 've actually seen that actually happen and uh you know and then the argument with the daughter that 's in Washington state with the son that lives here that they're saying well you 're taking you know what i 'm talking about you get all those emotional things that you were saying.
1: Yes, you do. And a lot of family history many times. And it goes all the way back to when they were seven years old playing on the playground. Absolutely.
2: Boy, you nailed it right between the eyes. Yes, yeah, it's called sibling rivalry, I think, might be the key right
1: there. Yes, sir. That's good business for lawyers. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, that's a bad thing, too, I tell you. Well, if you just tuned in, Mike Bailey is our guest, and uh, we're talking about elder care, and we're talking about all the things you have to do. Jamie Cochran's going to come back in just a second. We're going to talk about how much long-term term care insurance do you really need? We'll be back right after this.
3: Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this.
6: After Britain's defeat in the Revolutionary War, both Spain and the U.S. claimed much of the land east of the Mississippi River and maintained a network of frontier military bases along the Mississippi Bluff. Among the commanders of these bases were such figures as the famed explorers Meriwether Lewis and Zebulon Pike, and the 12th President of the United States, Zachary Taylor. What is now downtown Memphis was a Spanish military outpost under the command of Manuel Gayoso. Until the American Army took over the site two years later, Gayoso's soldiers manned a fort and surrounding buildings where the pyramid stands today. Although the forts were later abandoned as the frontier moved further to the west, the legacies of the men who commanded them made a lasting imprint on our cultural heritage, including the names of our streets and landmarks. Those who walk Gayoso Avenue today trace the footsteps of some of our nation's most revered icons. This has been another Mid-South History Moment. Brought to you by Shoemaker Financial.
3: Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, if you're listening, we are talking with Mac Bailey about elder care, and it's uh, Caregivers Month, National Caregivers Month. My um, guest now, Jamie Cochran with uh, Shoemaker Financial. And, Jamie, I guess what I'm looking for, we talked about with Mac, and he, you know, i got both of you guys in the studio now, and we're talking about all the issues that go on, and yet some point in time the person ends up where they are going to go into a long-term care facility or they're having to be taken care of at home. So what constitutes long-term care what just help us understand clear up the mindset that you know you don't have to be completely incapacitated but to qualify for long-term care what is that
5: all right well long-term care it's a range of services and supports that you'll need to take care of your personal care needs so it's not necessarily medical care But it's assistance with the basic personal tasks of everyday life. And what is? I mean, there. You know, I know what
2: a couple of them. Bathing is one of them. But give me the kind of the, the overall group.
5: Right, right. These are called activities of daily living. So there's bathing, eating, dressing, continence, toileting transferring just getting from place to place
2: i hate to tell you i need help on some of those already so does, does that make me oh i'm going there we'll stay away from that completely so you know is it is it more who needs the help who needs the care what are the is there ages that makes a difference i'm sure we're talking about long-term care everybody in their mindset says it's older folks kind of the elder what we're talking about with mac But is it male, female? What's the difference?
5: Well, the older you get, the more likely you're going to need that.
2: Absolutely. And
5: there's a statistic from longtermcare.gov that for people age 65 and older, that there's going to be at least, if you hit that point, there's going to be at least a 70 percent chance that you're going to need some type of long-term care in your life.
2: 70 percent chance if you get to 65. Or older now do is this going into a nursing home at this point, or are we talking about just needing care?
5: no, not necessarily a, a nursing home it's just saying that you're going to need help to do one of those activities of daily living women need care longer oh yes oh yes um, so women are going to need care on average three point seven years men an average of two point two years, so nearly four years versus about two years
2: wow I you know that that, that I don't want my wife to know that. I mean, she, she's. we have long-term care insurance, so we'll take care of it that way. But uh, most long-term care is provided at home. I think a lot of people think that when they think of long-term care, it's going to an institution of some kind. Uh, you find that it's uh, mostly at home, right? Uh, yeah, this Jim? is an
5: interesting statistic. So 73% of long-term care is provided at home by a caregiver who is not compensated. Not compensated. Mac, let me
2: ask you this. Does that, when you talk about Medicare, Medicaid, uh, not compensated, would that, can I pay somebody like a
1: family member to take care of me at home? Uh, you cannot pay a spouse because we have a duty to support each other as a husband and wife. i got to keep that in mind. Okay, that's important. Do I, can I get that in
2: writing? Can I say Mac <laughs> Bailey, Bailey Law Firm, said you have the duty, what did you call it? You have duty, a duty of support. Duty of support. I mean, Art, that's a pretty good deal. She's so not going to buy it. <laughs> buy it? Okay. I'll get you an opinion letter. <laughs> there you go.
1: I, I like the idea there. That. That's worth paying for. Go ahead. But most time, you can pay a child or a grandchild, and that's called a Personal care agreement, and that is recognized by most of the state Medicaid agencies and by the VA as a legitimate payment by the senior to a caregiver.
2: Because I would say this, I mean, you know, I'm thinking out, I, uh, you know, it's say up like 85, you know, I mean, I'm turned to my wife, and she's 85 too. Let's say, and you know, I mean, there's a caregiver that not going to really be able to do some. So I could bring in a, a grandchild, or you know, a friend or something, and say, would you? And I could pay them. Uh, for that type of benefit, is what you're saying.
1: Absolutely, because many times that caregiver is having to give up a job or be away from their family in order to provide that care, and they are no longer have an income or resource you know, stream coming in to pay for their expenses.
2: That's a good point. Medicare, you talked about this, Jamie, earlier, or Mac did, and y'all talked about Medicare and the fact that a lot of people, but there's something I remember about skill services. So I know that Medicare for so many days will take care of somebody in a long-term care facility, but there is that drop point, Jamie.
5: Right. So Medicare only pays for long-term care if you're going to require skilled services. So skilled services, an example of that would be intravenous injections, that can only be administered by, uh, by a registered n- nurse, nurse or doctor.
2: Right. Okay. Right. So, so skilled services is not uh, somebody comes and makes up the bed. That's not skilled services. Mac, do you see that that people don't understand Medicare and what they're really going to get?
1: Yes. They most people think that their health insurance will cover for their long term care cost. Most people think Medicare will take care of them when they get home. Uh, but that's not ca- ca- true because that's really more non medical care that mm. they need when they get home.
2: You know, I want people listening to get this because let's go back through that right there. Most people – because, see, I think that's what we're dealing with most people. Most people get caught up in, I'm okay, I can do this. And and you go back to your barbershop and the hairdresser, that's kind of what they hear. And so clarify that, that that's not the case.
1: It is not because Medicare, uh, like Jamie said, only lasts 100 days. Normally you have to have a prior hospitalization stay and then you can discharge and you have to be going through rehabilitative care in order for Medicare to pay for skilled nursing. They will provide home health care, but that's very limited on a weekly basis and it's not 24-hour care. So if you get discharged from the hospital and you go home and you need someone to cook for you, clean for you, help you get to the toilet or help you make up your bed, Medicare does not do that.
2: Medicare does not do that. I mean, I, I want people to get that. I mean, there's this Older Americans Act and, uh, and the you know, the Department of Veterans Affairs, which you were talking about earlier. Can you give me some insight into how does those programs, when you bring in that program, and, Jamie, both of you kind of chime in on this, can you get veterans program and Medicare at the same time, or, or do you can only qualify for one or the other? And w- let me ask you this. Does veterans pay the same thing that Medicaid does Medicaid does, or is are they different? I mean different dollars going to different places.
1: Very different dollars. Medicaid pays directly to the long-term care facility. Not to you. Not to you. You do and, not and get a check from Medicaid. That's a fallacy
2: for some people, because they think they think, well, where's my check? But it's not coming to them, right? It goes directly to the, the care Medicaid. provider, whether okay.
1: it's a long-term care facility or at-home care provider, uh, it pays directly to the provider, whereas the VA benefit will be paid directly to the veteran or the widow or the widower of the veteran. Medicaid benefit is unlimited because it's going to pay your full care at the long-term care facility, whereas the VA benefit is anywhere between $1,000 and $2,000, depending upon whether you're a veteran or a widow or a widower of a veteran.
2: Well, again, I've got a question when we come back, and because you, you just said it. Medicaid... Pays directly to the facility. The veteran's benefit pays to the veteran. Then you said the widow of the veteran. So there's a widow's benefit after the veteran's passed away. We'll talk about that when we come back. You just tuned in. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM. This is Talk Radio AM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we're talking about money. And we'll be back right after this.
3: Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money will return right after this.
4: Good morning. Right now we have a wreck on Kirby at Quince. We're also working Raleigh LaGrange at Summer Avenue and big delays on westbound Interstate 40 at Sycamore View Road near the flyover. At Interstate Batteries, green is more than just their color. It's the way they do business. Did you know they recycle more car batteries than anyone else in the country? It's true, and together with their customers, they've turned lead-acid batteries into one of the most recycled products, too. Learn more at interstatebatteries.com. I'm Heather Yorker Traffic on AM 990.
0: Under mostly sunny skies, temperatures will climb into the lower 60s this afternoon. Look for light winds out of the east. Partly cloudy, low 40s overnight. Tomorrow, it's cold front day with clouds, some isolated showers early, and north winds cooling us way down for the rest of the weekend. What's better than the classic croissant sandwich for breakfast at Burger King? Two of them for the unbelievable price of $4. That's right, two mouth watering croissant sandwiches just $4 for a limited time and only at Burger King. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers on AM
3: 990. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services are not affiliated with Mac Bailey or the Bailey Law Firm. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Securian Financial Services Incorporated nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Mac Bailey or the Bailey Law Firm. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. I want to remind you, if you'd
2: like to talk to Mac Bailey, his telephone number, 901-843-2760. That's 901 843 Two seven six zero jamie cochran who 's in our office nine o one seven five seven five seven five seven, both of these guys are very knowledgeable in their subjects, and uh, I appreciate you guys being on the program and uh, and we're talking about Caregiver's Month. This is National Caregiver's Month. We're talking about elder law. We're talking about widows and all the national benefit. I mean, the veterans' benefits. We're talking about Medicaid eligibility, veterans' benefit eligibility, how to manage your finances and with that incapacitated person. And we've talked about financial elderly abuse. And I'm going to have Mac back on because I, I'm interested in hearing more about that and literally finding out some of those problems that we see that happen all the time and how we deal with them. So uh, we'll have Mac back on at another time. But, Mac, before we went to the break, we talked about widow's benefits for the veteran. Veteran that, you know, did they have to qualify first before the – I guess my question is, veterans alive and you qualify, you get a benefit, or can a widow get a benefit from a veteran that's
1: deceased? Yes. uh, If the veteran is deceased, then the widow of that veteran can apply for this improved pension benefit to receive help with her long-term care costs. Does she
2: have to be in a long-term care facility to qualify that, or she can – okay, let's go back. My dad was a veteran of World War II. I didn't. I didn't file for this veterans benefit when my mother. Could I? I didn't know about it. To be candid with you, it wasn't. This was quite a while ago, and it wasn't on the surface like it is today. Is that an
1: issue? I mean, should I have qualified? Should I have filed for her? Uh, maybe it's. It's not a well-known benefit still, but it's become more uh, known. Um, but it is available to a widow or a widower of a veteran who served during wartime and who was honorably discharged.
2: All right. I need people to get that. I mean, if you happen to know a veteran who served during wartime and you have, you're, I'm just thinking of your mom. If your dad served during the war or your mom served and you've downtown, you're eligible or you could be eligible. Again, Mac Bailey, 901 2760 can walk you through that. Guys, here we are. Five ways to pay for long-term care, and I and I look at that as being a big issue for a lot of people. It's on people's mind, especially if they're looking at elder parents thinking they're still at home, but there's going to come a day. Five ways to pay for it, Mac.
1: Number one, private pay. Number two, long-term care insurance. Number three, Medicare, very limited. Number four, Medicaid. Number five, VA benefits.
2: And we've covered... Medicare, Medicaid, we've talked about the veterans benefit, private pay. Jamie, long-term care insurance, that's a topic that so many people get into. Help us at what is long-term care insurance.
5: All right, it is an insurance policy that reimburses the policyholder a daily amount uh, up to a pre-selected limit. For services to assist them with the activities of daily living such as bathing dressing or eating that we just talked about
2: that we talked about earlier and all those those things that we, we were going through bathing eating dressing countenance uh toileting transferring any of those things that's the the insurance let me ask you this i guess um how old do you need to do would you i mean a guy walks in 25 years old you don't tell him to buy long-term care insurance do you
5: no we're not having that conversation however i might say how are your parents? I mean, what health are they in? Do you have any plans for? Because he's going to be this? the
2: caregiver, probably.
5: Exactly, exactly. So it, it is a conversation. It's it's never too early to start. But no, I, I definitely wouldn't be recommending no, that he purchase any. You 25 don't think years about old.
2: it, and yet, uh, I mean, honestly, my mom. I mean, and I wouldn't say this to that you have to jump on this, but the reality is, I was shocked at the number of younger people in long-term care facilities. And for whatever reason, an automobile accident or whatever. In fact, my mom was in a private room, and the room next door was a 45-year-old guy that had been there for 10, 15 years and was going to be there for the rest of his life, which was going to be probably some form of normal, you know, mortality. And uh, so that's kind of a tough thing from that standpoint. Um, Maximum number of days, Jamie, that you go with uh, long-term care insurance? Can you get? Can you? How do you price a policy? I guess what's some, tell somebody how to go through that process.
5: Right. So first off, you'll want to meet with a professional to help you. You know, look at the different products that do exist that are that are out there. But you know, several factors go into it. How old are you? When you buy it, purchase the policy is going to affect the price. The um, daily amount of dollars that you get reimbursed is going to have a big difference. So it costs to stay in a nursing home facility in the state of Tennessee average cost between fifty five dollars to $72,000 per year. Mm. So we usually figure it out on a daily limit. So we might say, all right, how much is a policy going to cost if you have $150 per day reimbursement or a $200 per day reimbursement? Obviously, $200 per day is going to be a little bit more expensive than the $150 per day. Um, also, you know, how long will this policy last? Will it pay out and reimburse you for two years, five years, 10 years, or the rest of your life? Those are different factors to consider when designing the policy.
2: So when you think through that, designing a policy is not just a, you know, if, you, if somebody's trying to tell you, we had somebody to walk in the office and, boy, they had this person that told them all of this stuff. And by the time we got down, because we, they were not looking at their assets, they were not looking at veterans' benefits, they were not looking at any of that, but they had this huge cost. And we said, whoa, time out. And
5: as you work through that, you're designing something to meet their needs and their budget. Right. It's not going to look the same for every person. If you have a lot of assets, well, then you may not need as much as somebody else. But you still want to have that protection there to protect your assets if you are wanting to you know, leave it to uh, you know, your spouse or your family or, or charity. And you're choice. really
2: protecting assets. So that's really what we've been talking about today, Mac. I mean, protecting assets, whether it be a living will, trust, you know, all those things, we're talking about protecting assets for children.
1: Yeah, all, And all those things. Living trust protects assets from probate. Uh, these type of benefits protect assets for ev- uh, eventual inheritance by kids. It's important to pre-plan. Well, that's the best way I know to leave it. Important
2: to pre-plan. We've found out today that ma- marriage license doesn't guarantee a power of attorney. Guys, thank you so much for being in the program today. Thank you. Thanks. All right, guys. Well, it's been a good program. We've been talking about National Caregivers Month. I want to thank Mac and uh, Jamie for being a part of the program. You can reach them on the telephone. Just give us a call here. We'll be glad to give you that telephone number. My producer and board operator today is Art Frederick. Of course, guest and uh, con- guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Zelda DeMoscovitz. And uh, Mid-South History Moments, read by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to KWAM 990. This is Talk Money here every Friday, helping you make the most of your money.
3: Jim Shoemaker and Jamie Cochran, the registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.
0: The Mid South Station with the most local talk and CBS News at the top of every hour. AM 990, KWAM, member.